Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Monday, June 5th. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the big political stories we're talking about today. David Johnson is set to appear at a Commons Committee tomorrow to answer questions about his report into foreign interference. As pressure mounts on Johnson to step aside, the Prime Minister continues to back him. I look forward to him uh, holding public hearings across the country over the coming months to include Canadians in this important conversation in a way that is grounded in facts. This is a serious issue. Unfortunately, the leader of the opposition is not choosing to take it seriously. He's choosing instead to fling mud and make personal attacks. That's not responsible leadership. And the public safety minister reacts to word that serial rapist and killer Paul Bernardo has been moved to a medium security prison in Quebec. He's applied for parole twice and, and been rejected. Uh, but all of a sudden we hear that he was moved and we've heard this from the union uh, who represents prison workers uh, and that, that it was done in secret. So I'm now joined by Rob Russo, political analyst and former uh, bureau chief for CBC Television. Uh, Now, Rob, you know, David Johnson is going to appear at this committee tomorrow for three hours, and you just wonder what that's going to be like. He will probably want to talk about his report, but these very MPs, these opposition MPs that will be facing him, voted to have him removed from the whole process. So how do you think that's going to go? Uh, if if uh, history is any, any uh, precedent, uh, it's not going to go particularly well. Look, he's he's in for a rough ride uh, for for a couple of reasons. Uh, uh, number one, uh, they you know the, the opposition parties have come together, the majority of the House of Commons, in effect, to say that he is flouting the will of Parliament uh, by refusing to adhere to a motion that was passed last week to hold a public inquiry into Chinese interference in our democratic process. So right away, uh, he, he's coming to a committee that even though it's chaired by a liberal, is, is majority controlled by, by the opposition. Um, now, what's his response going to be? His response is going to be, I, I report to the prime minister and not parliament, and the prime minister has accepted um, my, my recommendation. But, you know, uh, I'm going to be watching the NDP MPs in particular because it would be very, very easy for Parliament to force Mr. Johnston's hand and Mr. Trudeau's hand as well and and, and compel them to hold a public inquiry. All just uh, Jagmeet Singh has to do is say, I've got a hammer. I've got a, an agreement with the, with the Liberals to keep them in power. And that agreement will be in jeopardy if he does not hold a public inquiry. Um, and uh, he hasn't used it yet. <laughs> and um, like I'd, I'd be all over uh, those MPs as well saying, why hasn't he used it? Because the reasons that Mr. Singh has given for using them uh, seem, seem rather, rather specious. In, in essence, um, he's saying that he does not want to go ahead and force an election um, knowing that it might be interfered with by the Chinese. That, that in, in other words, their integrity is, is not guaranteed. But how are you going to get at their integrity if you don't have a public inquiry is what some of the people are saying. So uh, is, is, is this the best vehicle uh, for asking Mr. Johnson's questions? No, uh, they're not a really good committee either, Julie. I, yeah. I, I, think, I think what we've seen is they, they're not very good at laying down a foundation of deductive questioning questions, starting with a general and then going to the specific and trying to get at specific uh, answers to, to you know, 
questions that build on logic and reason. What they do is preen and they engage in, in, in partisan mischief. Uh, we don't get a lot of, a lot of light and, and the heat that we get is, isn't exactly warming the hearts of those uh, of us who believe in the democratic process. No, but I don't think it's going to be a warm bath for David Johnson, right? It's not, uh, I mean, you can already anticipate questions like, why did you hire someone as your legal counsel who donated to nobody but the Liberal Party? Um, you, you know, just just since sure. his report came uh, out, which will be two weeks tomorrow. Um, the other thing is, Rob, we seem to have learned uh, almost a lot more than what was in his report. We've had MPs standing up in the House talking about uh, being intimidated. Uh, there's been there's an interesting article uh, that the Toronto Star had about um, a BC MP, Ken Hardy, who who won his riding uh, substantially, but his conservative opponent laid out all the Chinese interference in this article, and the two are cooperating, trying to figure out what happened. Now, it's true the winner did win by something like 7,000 votes, but we seem to be kind of getting more details just in general through the media, through MPs. What do you think? Yeah, look, the, the information is there. It's not going to stop coming out. Uh, again, as we've said before, there, there are also people who have access to uh, to uh, intelligence in the national security realm, whether they're um, in government or, or in, in the intelligence agencies themselves. But I'm not going away. We will continue to get more and more information. Um, uh, so, yeah, expect, expect Mr. Johnson to, to have to answer those kinds of questions. Why didn't we hear about this in your report? I think the other most pointed question that he's going to have to answer is, you said no. Why, why should your opinion count for more than the will of Parliament? That's, that's a difficult uh, question that's to, a good to answer. One. Yeah. Even, if, even if you don't or, uh, want a public inquiry, the, the will of Parliament is supposed to be the will of Parliament. Um, but but um, as, as Mr. Trudeau would probably note, um, the will of Parliament is also keeping me in power through an agreement I have with the NDP led by Jagmeet Singh, who's calling for a public inquiry. Like Mr. Singh really does hold the hammer in this. He could compel uh, answers to questions like, why should Mr. Johnston's opinion count for more than the will of Parliament? Well, you know, it's interesting, guys. I heard him in an interview, um, I guess it was yesterday, and, and you wonder, Mr. S- Mr. Singh, is it always because the cupboard's bare? Everybody says the NDP doesn't want an election because the cupboard's bare and so on. But he didn't, he wasn't asked that directly, but he did say, I think we'd do better in an election. Uh, I think we'd win more seats right now. Um, but it's not about that. But um, so, but, you know, the, the thing is, we're talking about a three week window here before the House recesses. And the other interesting thing is our colleague, our former colleague, Ashley Burke, reported that they've, uh, you know, David Johnson has Navigator uh, doing crisis right. management for him. Right. right. Why, why would he need a crisis management? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. Well, I was well, I was on their I website, think... and and they say we spend our days thinking about the issues that keep you from sleeping at night. Like that's pretty yeah. appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Jamie Watt used to used to I think joke about the fact that um, he could have a card, business card printed up, uh, saying that when you're really well and truly. Uh, in hot water, he probably used a different. You probably used different terminology. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you call me. 
Uh, so I, I think that Mr. Johnston knew that he was going to be in some hot water. And I think that you saw their, their, their handiwork. I mean, he, uh, he, he issued his report a day or two later. He had a column in uh, the Globe Mail, the, the paper that has been breaking most of these stories, defending his actions. Um, and, and that's the handiwork of, of, of Jimmy Wan and Navigator. They're very good at what they, at what they do. Uh, but it, in this instance, it, it clearly isn't enough. You mentioned the, the three weeks until the House runs out. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's clear the government is thinking that's what it's going to do. It's going to get, get to the end of this session and hopefully uh, people will uh, go to the, the lake and go to the cottage and, 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 and barbecue all kinds of burned beef and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and forget about it all. Uh, uh, that's going to be a tough one. That is going to be a tough one. Although there was a leger poll that came out recently in the last couple of days that showed, in essence, nothing would change if an election were held today. That might give the opposition some pause as well in rethinking as to whether or not this is the issue they might, they, they should be spending all of their time on, or should they be thinking more along the lines of what might happen in a day or two when the Bank of Canada has to go ahead and make a decision about hiking interest rates again and pocketbook uh, uh, pocketbooks across the country are hurt. So I think the government is is kind of calculating and calibrating that those things might take over, and those things would, uh, and then it's, uh, the Chinese interference issue would recede in the rearview mirror of concerns a little bit uh, as we slather on our sunscreen. But uh, I don't think that the apparatus uh, in government, in the security apparatus, clearly uh, is going to allow that to happen. Right. Well, um, the, the other thing about this navigator, of course, is that, you know, it's he's he's you know, he's the bill is being paid for by taxpayers, according to the article. So, I mean, you can just see the kind of nasty questions he's going to get. I mean, you can you can just see where they're going. Like, why are why are taxpayers paying for this? And what are you still doing here anyway? I mean, what a what a way to like you just wonder why he doesn't say life is too short. I don't need this. But I guess. Maybe he's got the same strategy, write it out. No, and uh, I mean, look, everybody, all of his friends were wondering when he saw the, the prime minister's office uh, sort of title flash up on his phone, uh, sort of call screening. Why didn't he do what everybody else did and screen the call and, and, and uh, politely uh, leave to wash his hands and do something else, you know? Um, uh, but he is a Boy Scout. Everybody who knows him says he answers the call. But he must be ruining the day that he answered that call. Yep, absolutely. So, um, so Rob, let's move on to like another story that uh, we might expect to hear something about, possibly even today, is you know how crime collides with politics. And the notorious rapist and uh, murderer Paul Bernardo was transferred from a maximum security prison to uh, to a medium one in Quebec, uh, just near Mont Tremblant. And there's been lots of reaction to that. Can you give us some details? Well, just like every, every time you hear the words Paul Bernardo, uh, shudders and shivers come down the spine. Uh, uh, you know, particularly anybody who was around 30 years ago when, uh, when he committed his awful, awful crimes. He, he, he murdered, uh, after torturing, in effect, two young teenagers, Kristen French and Leslie Mahaffey. Uh, and and was was sent away to prison. <clears throat> He's applied for parole twice and, and been rejected. Uh, but all of a sudden we hear that he was moved, and we've heard this from the union, 
who represents prison workers, uh, and that that it was done in secret. Well, why why was it done in secret? Was it done in secret because uh, he he uh, they're they're worried that somebody's trying to kill him? Well, perhaps. Or were they worried about the political fallout? Because here we are now. There, there is political fallout. Um, this is one of Canada's most notorious killers. This man is a psychopath. Uh, he, along along with his wife, uh, Marla Hamolka, yeah. that's right, who cut a deal with the prosecution, which I'm sure the prosecution regrets to this day, uh, to testify against her former husband. Um, now. Now, the uh, the La Macaza prison does have a large number of, of uh, uh, sexual offenders and pedophiles and people who are the targets of uh, at- attempted beatings and murders in, in other institutions. Um, so so maybe that's why he was sent there. But once again, we we have a government that's saying we knew nothing about this. There there are some parallels here with the uh, Chinese interference or where the government said that it was also surprised by some of this stuff. Public safety minister, Marco Medicino says that he was surprised and, and that uh, he's, he's uh, going to be asking questions of the, uh, of the commissioner for correctional services of Canada. Um, uh, and I, I, it'll be interesting to see what questions he asked, but why was this decision taken? Why wasn't anybody told about it? Are, are, are a couple of the first questions that, that, that I would ask. And um, I would also want to know, you know, did anybody warn the families, the, the French and Mahaffey families, that this was going to happen? Uh, because they, 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 they're tortured uh, themselves uh, every time Bernardo's name is mentioned in public, let alone when they have to write um, to, to prison officials when Bernardo applies for parole. He's Right. twice and been rejected twice but uh th- you know there are lots of questions that are have to be asked about this and uh, I- I'll-, I'll be interested to hear if mr mendicino has some answers because he's sure to be asked about it yeah in, in the comments yeah. and-, and i think his tweet was a preemptive strike saying i'm shocked i'm i'm uh, uh about this transfer it's incomprehensible and as you said he plans to bring it up with uh, commissioner kelly the head of corrections canada but uh, pierre polyev um was also, you know, very front and center on this saying, look, I mean, here's another example of how Justin Trudeau doesn't protect victims. And uh, we never give a cozy deal to this monster uh, if we were in power. So, um, so, so, yeah, I mean, this is his bread and butter. It is. And, and um, crime is going to become an issue in the next election. Uh, rates of violent crime have come up since, uh, since the pandemic. And we all who all all those of us who were around in 2005, 2006, remember that crime became an issue in the middle of that campaign when a young girl was shot while shopping on Young Street in uh, Toronto during the Christmas period. And that that had a catalytic impact on people. We know that crime uh, is is becoming top of mind of more and more voters, particularly uh, women voters, particularly women voters who travel from the suburbs into downtown areas like Toronto and, and Vancouver, Montreal, who have to take public transit. Um, we've seen an increase in crimes, of violent crimes on public transit. Um, so uh, I, I would expect people to be asking very, very hard questions about, about the increase in crime and using this as emblematic of a government that isn't taking it seriously enough.
Yes, and I guess we should watch to see if this whole thing is is reversed, his transfer to a medium from a maximum and so on. So, okay, Rob, lots to watch for. It was great uh, talking to you this morning. So um, let's move on and have a great day. You too. Take care, Julie. That's Rob Russo, political analyst and former CBC Parliamentary Bureau Chief. Now let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators and editorialists are saying today. In the Toronto Star, Sean McAuliffe argues it's time to remember what pride is for. He writes, after what seems like decades of slow progress, queer people are under attack everywhere and it feels dangerous. Russia, Turkey, Uganda and other countries have leaders who villainize people and enact anti-LGBTQ laws for political gain. Some American states are becoming so hostile that human rights organizations are issuing travel warnings. In Canada, we're also seeing the rise of some of this along with other worrying events. It's been easy to think pride has become simply a big party, but pride never stopped being both political and a protest, even in a country where legislative wins like same-sex marriage were passed. In the Globe and Mail, Christopher Alexander argues, the 15-minute city idea is key to solving Canada's housing crisis. He writes, the solution to our housing crisis is not just about boosting supply. We need the right type of housing in the right areas with access to the right mix of transportation and most importantly, with livability at its core. This should be prioritized in all cities across the country, but especially in smaller markets that are on the cusp of fast growth. Urban planners will tell you that this approach has been in practice for decades with frameworks such as a 15-minute city or a 15-minute neighborhood. If we want to make strides towards sustainable, long-term affordability and livability, we must use existing land more pragmatically and create cities, towns, and neighborhoods that offer a mix of housing types with a vision for quality of life at the forefront. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will provide a wildfire update. He'll be joined by Emergency Preparedness Minister Bill Blair, Natural Resources Minister Jonathan Wilkinson, Minister of Families Karina Gould, Immigration Minister Sean Fraser, Environment Minister Stephen Gilbeau, and the Minister of Northern Affairs Dan Vandal. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will attend question period. Crown Indigenous Relations Minister Mark Miller will make an infrastructure announcement in Shannonville, Ontario. And in Gatineau, Quebec, Minister for Women Marcy Ian will make an announcement to support a National Indigenous Women's and 2SLGBTQQ1A plus organization. She and Tourism Minister Randy Boissonneau will make an announcement in Ottawa in support of Pride organizations. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, June 5th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.